got uh, the next, fo- well, for the foreseeable, to be honest. We're looking uh, through the Gospel of Matthew um, with some occasional exceptions. And this week is one of those exceptions. Um, today we're looking at the Garden of the Soul. Uh, hopefully over the next little while I'll persuade you what I mean by that. Um, but there's Gospel uh, of Matthew's at the back uh, sort of journals and you might want to pick one of those up. If you're new today, have a look at those on the snooker table at the back of the room. Um, but uh, yeah, today's a bit of an exception and I'm going to talk to you about gardening Uh, Don't worry, it's not all uh, about literal gardening, although there's plenty of references. But I want to persuade you over the course of this uh, next few minutes that uh, you are a garden. You are more of a garden than you are like a computer. You You are a garden, but we refer to ourselves like a machine. Sometimes we talk, we use language like we're computers or as if we're machines. But that's not what we're like. We're much more like gardens than we are. So uh, my question is, how is it with the garden of your soul? Uh, I'll unpack what I mean about that a little bit later on. Well, a few years ago, I had a holiday in South Carolina. That's a nice place to go on holiday. Um, And I was amazed to meet somebody who was from York. And you know, when you meet someone on holiday, if you've ever met someone and you think, no way, we're bound to know someone that's the same. So we got chatting and it turns out we did know someone the same. He knows my next door neighbour really well. It was just such an unlikely thing, isn't it? But there you go. So we're chatting about this guy. He's known my next door neighbour, Paul, for like 50 years or whatever. So it comes up in the conversation. I was like, oh, he's a prolific gardener. He's, he, he is just such, a, he's always gardening. This guy that I was chatting to sits back and he's like, no way. I've known him for so long. He said, I didn't know he was a gardener. <laughs> he goes, I didn't have him down for a, a grower. I thought he was just a consumer. So it, that, that little phrase that he used really stuck with me. I thought, what an interesting phrase. He's known this guy for ages. He didn't know that he was a grower. He, he thought he was more of a consumer. Um, what kind of a person are you? Do you just consume life or are you a gardener of life? Do you grow things? Do you plant things? Do you nurture stuff? Uh, Things that you want to see more of in your life? Are you able to produce fruit in your life? Are you a grower or are you a consumer? Um, So it is scripturally a helpful uh, way to refer, like scripture is full of gardening language. Thinking of yourself as a garden is scriptural, it's practically helpful, it's beautifully simple, and it's a great relief, actually, to think of ourselves like this. So John uh, 15, 1 to 17, I'll read it out. Um, it is a, uh, a really well-known passage. Uh, feel free to follow along if you like, uh, in whatever version of the Bible you have on your phone or an actual version. Um, this is John 15, verses 1 to 17. So Jesus says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. So that we'll just pause there. That's a pretty clear uh, indication that this is a good analogy. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will bear even more fruit. 
You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me and I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, says Jesus. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire and burned. If you remain in me and, words rem- and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father. I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might bear, uh, so it might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last. And so that whatever you ask in my name, the father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. This is one of the um, key passages when understanding who Jesus is, who we are in the context of who he is. Um, So he says he is the vine that we are connected. Now, now there's a a bunch of you students here today. A few of you uh, have just arrived in York recently. A few of you have lived in York for a really long time, but are living through circumstances that are really different. Uh, a bit uncomfortable, a bit unknown, and lots of us in different ways feel a bit uprooted. So my word that I want to share with you today is, where are you rooted and are you rooted in Jesus? Because if you are, it doesn't matter what circumstances you've lived through, it doesn't matter whether you've just moved to a different city, if you're rooted in him, if you're connected into him as the vine, you're fine. That's where you should be. You will flow with life, you will thrive if that's how you are. So make sure today that you reconnect if you've let let yourself feel uprooted or disconnected. Take today as the opportunity to go, Jesus, I want to be rooted back into you. I want to be reconnected with you as the vine. Um, Like I mentioned, we're doing Matthew as a a long series where we're going slowly through the book of Matthew. And um, if you subscribe to G2's stuff, you'll get the passage each week on email and then we'll be uh, looking at that passage in small groups. Um, Today the the passage for this week will have got emailed out already uh, and it's Matthew 3 and it's uh, verses 7 to 10 and it's John the Baptist in his absolute brutal self and he says something similar but a bit harsher uh, than Jesus which is sometimes the way with John the Baptist isn't it? Um, So he says something really similar to what Jesus just said in that passage that we just read. Um, But he is speaking to the Pharisees and the Sadducees that were like the religious rulers of the day. So John the Baptist gives them a bit of a kicking when he says this. But when when he saw many 
of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming to where he was baptizing, he said to them, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance. So again, like producing fruit being the purpose of existence. Uh, And do not think that you can say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. I tell you, these stones can raise up children. Uh, Out of these stones, God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the tree and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. So that language uh, that Matthew uses, he's harsher with it than Jesus is, but that's because he's kicking the butts of some religious leaders who needed to have the mirror held up to them that they were being very judgmental over other people. Anyway, the point is, again, John the Baptist is using this language of how we are designed to be fruitful as people. We're actually not designed to be successful. So let me just say these words over you, because I don't know where you're at. Maybe, maybe they wash over you. Maybe they mean loads to you. You are not designed to be successful. There's nothing wrong with being successful, by the way. There's nothing wrong with winning, but you're not designed to win. That's not your purpose. You're designed to be fruitful. That's what Jesus has just said in that passage in John 15. It gives glory to God when you do it. It's how you were designed. You're not designed to be efficient. You're designed to be pruned. A tree or a plant that is pruned will bear more fruit. That's, that's good. But you're not designed to be efficient. It's not your purpose. There's nothing wrong with being efficient. But it's not why you're designed. You're not designed to be happy. But you are designed to be rooted and content. Rooted and established in his love. You're not designed to be independent. But you are designed to be entirely dependent on Jesus. And within, with Jesus in the church. We're designed to live in him and he in us. We're meant to be in community, to abide in him, to make our home in the vine that is Jesus. It's where we're designed to thrive. Maybe it's time for some of us to re-establish that in our life. Maybe we've got a bit independent. Lockdown did that for some of us, didn't it? Maybe there's some ways in which we've become a bit island-like, a bit isolated, a bit uh, cut off. Or perhaps there's some ways in which if you've just moved to York, you're feeling like, ah, I'm a bit on my own and I want to connect in with the right people. And perhaps you're looking for that in all sorts of places. It's good to make new friends, of course. But maybe there's time to just reconnect in this moment and say, I want to be rooted in you, Jesus. So time and time again, the Bible uses um, language to describe uh, us like a garden. I'm going to go over some of those in a minute. But we are currently, in this culture, describing ourselves as machines and computers. And there's a problem with that. Firstly, let me just try. In the last month, I've tried to write down phrases that I've heard people say, and I've heard myself say, that are a bit computer or machine-like. You might be able to think of more, but I think it's not very good for our soul if we describe ourselves as computers or machines. So I said, that guy, this is in the Olympics, I think, that guy's amazing. He's an absolute machine. Why is that a compliment? Anyway, um, these are some other phrases. I've got so much processing to do. I feel like I'm hardwired for this. I need to rewire my thinking. I need a holiday to refresh. I need to hit reboot. I need fuel. Um, Wow, I feel like I've been plugged into the mains. 
My wheels are spinning. Sorry, I just switched off for a bit. Uh, I'm going to train at the Vicar Factory. Um, I'm not, by the way, but that was something I heard someone say. Um, I, I'm not just. I'm just not wired that way. Um, I'm sorry, mate. That doesn't compute. Uh, I've just run out of steam. I feel recharged. I'm only on about 10% right now. Um, that's really got my cogs turning. I feel like I'm operating in neutral. I'm just ticking over. The lights are on, but there's no one home. So um, the, these are phrases we use all the time. You can probably think of others yourself. To describe ourselves as a, more of a computer or a mechanised thing. Here's the problem with that, right? Scripture, God uses... Uh, gardens and creation to describe what we're like because he's like I have made the world you are in the world I've made you as well if you want to understand you have a look at this have a look at the rest of creation that I made it's a you're a bit like that and we go oh great that's good but also I've made this little computer I'm going to describe myself like this little thing Uh, it basically gets tired a lot. It doesn't run for very long without needing to be refueled and replugged in. But I'm a bit like this. And I want to say to us, if we want to thrive as people, we need to describe ourselves more and think of ourselves more as a garden than a computer that's man-made or a a machine that is man-made. And if you think about those examples, they're usually to describe burnout or exhaustion or they're not you wouldn't really describe yourself as a computer to go I am in the in the best state of life I'm absolutely thriving I'm a bit like a Dell like whatever you want to I don't know what they're called I'm a Mac user but (laughs) anyway you wouldn't use it uh, to describe thriving but scripture is full of it okay so whether it's the wheat growing up with the tares or uh, separating the wheat from the chaff, the seed that falls on the, uh, the path, whether it's rocky soil, weeds that so easily entangle, or, or good seed. Uh, in Luke 13, verse 19, describing the kingdom of God, the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, which a man took and planted in his garden. Uh, it grew and became a tree, and the birds perched in its branches. Or maybe in Isaiah 58, The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in sun-scorched lands and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Uh, John 12, 24. Very truly, I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Ephesians 3 verse 17, I pray that you being rooted and established in love. Or Galatians 5, to 23, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness and temperance. So it's the fruit. Jesus is like, if you've got my Spirit in you, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you will bear fruit because that's the point of existing that's the point of why we where we are it's our reason for existing okay so we're going to look at some of the four some of the four main gardens in scripture um, that you might connect with firstly there's the garden of eden you've got these on your table as well i think you've got the garden of eden this is a garden of provision it's the start god's like i'm going to start everything off with a garden because people are my creation as well. 
There's a tree of life. There's a tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He gets them to name the plants and the animals and says to go and subdue the earth. There's all sorts of um, creation that happens and he involves us in that story and it happens in a garden. That's like his original plan. When everything is good, Adam and Eve walk in the cool of the day in the garden with the Lord. That's like a picture of how it was meant to be. Then there's the Garden of Gethsemane. There's lots, by the way. There's lots of other ones in the way. But um, then we get to the Garden of Gethsemane, just before Jesus goes to the cross. Uh, this is a garden of self-sacrifice. This is where he is in the storm of his life. He's working out the cost of discipleship, I guess, in being a follower of his father and saying, not my will, but yours. He's in that garden then. Perhaps sometimes we're in that garden, the garden of self-sacrifice, when we're counting the cost of what it really means to follow Jesus. Then there's the garden tomb. Amazing how... how um, Joseph of Arimathea provides a garden, uh, a tomb that is in a garden. That's how it's described. And we also know that because Mary, who is one of the first people, the first people, uh, the first person, sorry, in Matthew, uh, to see Jesus when she is in her grief and doesn't know who he is, she asks, where have you put him? Because she thinks through her tears that Jesus is a gardener. Um, he's not here, he's risen, he says. Um, the garden of eternal life, it finishes, it starts with a garden and it ends with a garden, the garden city in Revelation. Um, the tree of life appears again, bearing 12 crops of fruit, yielding fruit every month. Um, verse, 22, uh, verse 2 and 3 says, And the leaves of the tree are for the healing of the nations. No longer will there be any curse. So the garden is the place God uses again to heal the world, to bring it all together in uh, a city as well. It is interesting to note, by the way, we'll just say this, that not all man-made things are not good to, to describe uh, God. Um, scripture does use uh, safety constructions such as cities and towers and strong places um, that sometimes the love of God is referred to as a strong tower. Um, so that does happen too. And God seems to quite like cities as a place that creates safety for the vulnerable. So it, I don't think it's an accident that it's a garden city that we finish with in Revelation. Anyway, more on that another time maybe. Um, so my question for you is, where does this land for you? Where do, is this resonating? Do you feel like, where, where, where are you with the garden of your soul right now? Um, may, maybe you're a real gardener. I've noticed over uh, lockdown, potentially because of the amount of Zoom meetings that some people have been in, the amount of houseplants that have therefore appeared in the background have increased. And some people have got really good at uh, growing things uh, inside and out. So um, how is it with the garden of your soul? Are you good at this? Are you thinking intentionally about how you are growing? Um, I basically look after our garden. Hannah can't be bothered with our garden at all. Hannah... Hannah is very, very good at looking after the inside of the house. So it's, a, you know, a partnership that works. Um, but she, she's not so keen on the outside bit. Um, 
So I do a load of that. And every time I do gardening, I feel God speak to me. I feel it's a bit therapeutic. You can't really get your hands into the soil and think, where's this come from? You can't really do weeding and not go, oh yeah, there's probably things I need to sort out that I didn't realise had grown. So with weeds, has anything taken root in you over, over this last 18 months or whatever it's been, even maybe only just over the summer? Has anything taken root that you didn't really want there, but it just started to be a part of how you operate? Perhaps there's some habits or practices that you've slipped into that you, you maybe just want to sort out, just like you would weed it out in a garden. Maybe there's some fears and anxieties, which could be understandable, but you just think, actually, do you know what? I don't really want that there. And you need to chat to the gardener, that is Jesus, and go, what can we do about this? Don't really want to really have that there. Can we do something about it? Equally, when you're gardening, you plant things. Maybe there's something that you want to plant into yourself, into your soul. Maybe there's some new rhythms that you do want to pick up whether that's maybe a, an early morning time with God or a different time of day with God. Maybe there's a, a new friendship group that you're going to invest in and intentionally spend time in. It might be one of the new small groups that have just started at G2. So perhaps there's something that you're going to plant and you're going to begin intentionally to make part of your soul garden. Maybe uh, something needs strengthening um, we had to get a load of bamboo in order to grow uh, some tomatoes, which was great fun. We really enjoyed growing a load of tomatoes in our back garden. Also for sweet peas, certain things won't grow unless you help them. Certain things in you is not going to grow unless you put strengthening around it. So what does that look like? Could it be accountability with someone else? Because you're like, actually, best intentions, this isn't going to thrive unless I'm really strengthened by someone else. Maybe there's some spiritual discipline, a, a kind of a fasting or a, some other kind of spiritual discipline that you're going to go, in order to do this, I need to strengthen up a little bit. Um, maybe, maybe it's some, uh, a commitment to some kind of regular prayer and Bible reading or something, uh, some, some way that's going to strengthen who you are. So is there anything that needs a bit of trellis in the, soul of your, in your, in the garden of your soul? Um, what about feeding? You also have to do this in a garden. You can't just expect it to grow. Now, I, I play golf and I love a good lawn. Um, those of you who've known me for a while will know I love a good lawn. Um, so that isn't my lawn, although I'd be very happy if it was. Um, but uh, the greenkeepers from our golf club uh, laid our lawn and he lives just nearby and he comes and feeds it every now and again and he knows how how to feed it with the right thing sprays it on you know and I get very excited about it and then and he said he said he'd sprayed it the other day and he, I saw him at the golf club and he goes has it popped yet I was like what do you mean what's going on earth is going to happen and he, he just meant as the colour popped into like a really vibrant green I said no it hasn't and he went when did I do it Thursday oh and it'll be tomorrow so sure enough, the next day it rained a bit and the whole lot went totally green. That's because he knows what happens when you feed it the right stuff. So what are you feeding yourself with? Is there anything that you want prayer for or you need a bit of ministry from the right person, someone you know, oh, they're always so encouraging. Are you going to get yourself fed in that way? Is there something that you can read or a podcast that you listen to or a video you can watch on YouTube, a talk someone's done that will feed the soul garden. 
Um, maybe there's some personal time spent in worship that you know is good for you. It's going to feed you to do that. Just remember, you and Jesus are responsible for your soul. No one else is responsible for that. There's, you can't just go through life hoping that someone else is going to garden you. Like, you've got to spend time thinking, how, what are we going to grow this season, Jesus? Um, then the difficult thing, of course, is pruning. None of us like that. And we kind of know this. I think if you've been a Christian for a while, you've probably heard this, that Jesus prunes stuff so that it bears fruit. And, and we don't really like to think about that because it's painful. It's also counterintuitive, isn't it? And you can, if you know that as an example, you go, yeah, 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 things need to be pruned in order to grow more, yeah, yeah. But when you do it, so I've just had to do this with this uh, rose that I've got growing up the side of our house. And you have to cut it right back. And you don't want to do it because you're like, no, this is just going to, surely I'm going to kill this thing. And then only if you do that, the next year will grow. So what needs pruning? And that could look like proper grieving. It could look like if you've gone through some loss, it could be really allowing you yourself to embrace the fact that you've lost that, um, that thing or that person. Um, maybe it is uh, something that you're going to go without for a while. Uh, even though it'd be okay to have it, but you're just going to go, you know what, in order to bear more fruit, I'm going to allow this bit to be pruned. Uh, The word used for pruning in that passage in John, it also means cleansing. So it could be that as well, that there's something that you just think, I think this just needs to be cleaner in my life spiritually. Equally, there's soil. It could be that soil is speaking to you uh, in this analogy too. Um, I mentioned we'd grew tomatoes. I try, I try, I got, I invested actually heavily in some £5.99 grow bags as opposed to the £3.99 grow bags that B&Q produce. And I went for the branded one. Um, and then I also did a little experiment and put some okay soil and planted some in a pot. And the ones in the pots were absolutely measly little, sorry excuses for a plant that didn't really produce any tomatoes. The ones that were in the great soil shot right up and we've had a crop the whole summer. Um, so what, is, what does it mean for you as a person to be in good soil so that you will bear good fruit? What does that look like? Is it the right friendship group? Is there someone, especially if you're arriving at uni, if, there, if there's groups of friends that you're like in and you're thinking, do I want to spend most of my time with these people? Do I want to choose maybe not to hang out so much with those people? I'm not saying that you should do that, but I'm just saying think about it. Think about who you choose to spend your time with. Um, perhaps it is the church you're in. Maybe you're thinking of which church shall we end up landing in. So just think, uh, which church is going to help us to grow here Um, and root yourself in Jesus? Perhaps it's water. Plants need water as well, don't they? You need a bit of refreshment. We all need spiritual drink. That it comes in in the person of Jesus, in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you need some of that to come and renew and rebuild and restore you. Uh, and the final thing that is connected with this gardening thing is the seasons. And um, my question is, which season are you in? Um, you, you have to know which season you're in if you're a garden. You can't go planting things at the wrong time of year or you won't get the, the right growth. So what time of year is it in your life, in your soul? Summer is easy um, and it's full of joy. Maybe that's where you are. Autumn is full of death. But it's also full of beauty. Autumn is that time, isn't it, when all the leaves turn and fall, 
but it is also beautiful. Maybe uh, you're in winter, which is actually a season of growth, but it's hidden growth. You don't see it. It's the, winter is the season where most growth happens. Uh, the, the, that moment of a seed germinating and turning into a little shoot and a tiny little under-the-ground plant, that's a bigger exertion of energy than the rest of the plant's life because the rest of it's just replication of more of the same, basically. But when it transforms from a seed or a bulb into a small plant, that's a bigger exertion of energy. But it's hidden, it's underground, so maybe that's where you are. Or perhaps you're in spring, which is full of hope and new starts. Who knows which season you're in. Um, But either way, I think when you think about yourself, when you think about, God, where am I at? Where's me and you at, Jesus? Um, I think it's a helpful picture to think of yourself as a garden, to think of yourself intentionally. And perhaps even as you have a garden or are out in the, in the uh, what's beginning to be autumn, um, notice things and see uh, what God is saying to you. I personally always experience God uh, when I'm in the garden. I found his poem. Uh, I'll finish with this. The kiss of the sun in uh, the kiss of the sun for pardon the song of the birds for mirth no one is nearer to god's heart in a garden than anyone else on earth do you want to stand with me maybe if the band can come up let's pray God, thank you um, that you are with us and that you're so intentional with how we grow. I just pray for, in the stillness now, that your Holy Spirit would speak to each one of us in uh, whichever way it is that relates to where we're at. Perhaps there's some people who are in a summer or an autumn or a winter or a spring Ask God, which season am I in right now? Is there anything that needs weeding? Maybe something you want to plant. Maybe you need some strengthening or feeding, pruning. You wonder about which soil you're in and need watering. So Holy Spirit, come now.